0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Last week, we dove into how goals work and the science behind them. Now we're going to be taking all of that and looking at how we can better create our goals through simple frameworks. A lot of these frameworks come from a business setting, but with a little tweaking, we can absolutely make them work for personal use as well. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at a few of those frameworks and figuring out how we can best use them. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com frameworks. All right, keep on listening to find out which framework is the right one for you. Setting SMART goals is one of the most popular ways to set goals, and for good reason. It's an excellent method for really working out how to get from A to B. Also, because of the acronym, it's pretty easy to remember. So let's start with what SMART stands for. Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-bound. Okay, great. And now let's take this and see how we might try and set a goal with these ideas. In our initial brainstorming session, we might come up with something like, I want to write a book. Now, we can take the goal of write a book and put it through the SMART framework. We'll start with making it specific. Okay, well, what kind of book? Let's say it's a novel. Okay, that's better, but let's get a little bit more specific. Let's say we want to write a fantasy novel. Okay, we're getting there. But I think this goal is still a bit misleading, so let's reword it. I want to write the first draft of a fantasy novel. And I think that last piece of getting more specific is really important because you're saying exactly what you actually want to do. Because sure, we might want to eventually have an actual book written, but that's not where we're going to start. All right, now let's make that novel measurable. How long is this novel going to be? Okay, I'm back. You didn't see it, but I just totally got sucked down a rabbit hole looking at how long the average fantasy novel is. And we're just going to say it's around 80,000 words. can take my word on it. It's more complicated than that, but this is fine for our example right now. All right, now, next, well, let's get a little messy here, because when I'm working through this framework, I rarely want to go straight down the letters, and it doesn't really make sense to either. Here, I'll show you why. So typically, up next, we'd be looking at how to make it achievable. What are the specific actions we'd be taking? But I think for that question to really have any weight, we also need to understand our time frame. If I decided I wanted to write that first draft in two months, then I'm going to need to write quite a bit every day. But let's say my time frame is six months. Well, that significantly changes things. So let's make this time bound by giving ourselves a six month deadline, which fits nicely with our fresh start theme and the last six months of this year. Now we're just gonna to have to do a little math, so we've got roughly twenty-four weeks and six months, which means that if we want to write 80,000 words, we need to be averaging just over three thousand three hundred and thirty-three words per week. I'm not crazy about that number, so let's just round that up to 3,500 words a week to give ourselves a bit of breathing room. And there we go. We've made this goal time-bound and we've made it achievable. And this just leaves us with relevance. While this is an easy step to skip, it's possibly the most important one. This is the why behind your goal. What makes this goal important to you? Why is it relevant to your life? Why now? If you can't answer this question, there's a good chance you're going to find yourself drifting away from this goal. We need a clear why to why we're doing things, especially the things that are hard and take a lot of time. So make sure you don't skip this step and be as specific as possible. For writing a novel, it could be something like, I've always dreamed of being a novelist, or because I have a story to tell and it deserves to get out of my head, or I have the time right now and I need to take advantage. Okay, so there we go. We've taken write a novel and made it into a SMART goal. But what if we could make it SMART-er? Well, dear listener, through the magic of adding more letters to an acronym, we can make this happen. So just like a SMART goal, a SMARTER goal is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, but also we're going to add the steps of evaluating and readjusting. One of the biggest weaknesses of SMART goals is that they tend to be fairly rigid, They don't have a lot of flexibility built into them once you get going. With a smarter framework, we can try and correct for some of that by adding in times when we're going to evaluate how we're doing, and then using that to readjust the goal. For our write-a-novel goal, we could add that we're going to evaluate how we're doing every month, and then use that to help determine if we're on track. And if we're not, then we can figure out what needs to change. Maybe we're not writing enough per week. Or maybe we discover that what we want to write is actually much longer than 80,000 words. We can then use that information to readjust our time frame to fit reality better, or to set a goal to just write more per week. The SMART and SMARTER goal frameworks are good to start with because they can also exist inside our other goal frameworks that we'll see later. However, as you can see with this section, SMART goals take a lot of time and effort to put together. Now, I could see it easily argued that it's worth putting that much effort into defining every one of your goals, but I also tend to be a realist about things. If I'm not going to put the effort to go through all the steps of a SMART goal, then maybe it's not the right framework for me. So with that in mind, let's go take a look at our next framework. All right, now we've got OKRs, which stand for Objectives and Key Results. And this is definitely from the business world, so we'll definitely be tweaking this a bit to make it work for our personal goals. The idea here is to start with an objective that you're trying to hit and then define how you are going to get there through certain key results. What I like about OKRs is that it does let you really just jump into things with those goals that you kind of know that you want to go after. And you can even go with things that are a bit more vague. For example, you could start with something like be more effective with time management. This would be really hard to set up with a SMART goal. But here, we can try it out. I'm sure this is something a lot of us might aspire to, but on its own, the phrase, be more effective with time management, doesn't give us a lot of direction. That's where we start our second section, where we're going to break down things into the key results and milestones we want to see to achieve that objective. So we could write that out as, spend 15 minutes every morning prioritizing my day, look over my daily plan at least five times a day, use the Pomodoro technique every day for the next four weeks. And the idea is, if we hit those three key results, we're naturally going to hit the goal of be more effective with our time management. And to be clear here, this is a modified version of the OKR framework to work for individuals instead of as a business. The benefit for us is that we can use the objective lens to better connect to the why of our goals. If we look back to last week's episode, we can also easily see how key results are just another way of thinking of process goals. Although, to be fair, in the OKR framework, they are much more purpose-driven. By combining a number of these key results, we can really drive our actions so that we're fulfilling these goals that might otherwise be a bit nebulous. This is a great framework to quickly build out goals into more robust and actionable ideas, but it will require some tweaking as you go. Additionally, it's really easy to get carried away with the number of key results you're looking for, and this is definitely something to be cautious with with ADHD. So ideally, we just want to aim for 3-5 to results for each objective. Otherwise, it's easy to overwhelm ourselves. A good idea with OKRs is to build them into shorter timeframes so that we're reviewing them at least every month or so, and then we can decide if we want to change those key results that we're looking at. Similar to OKRs are KPIs. Yeah, I know, we're really hitting up the acronyms in this episode. Anyways, KPIs are Key Performance Indicators. These are the metrics that you measure and track depending on your goals. They're about measuring progress, and we can kind of think of them like the GPS for our goals. If we take our novel writing example from the smart goal section, we could have a KPI of hours writing. I can say with some certainty that the more hours per week I spend writing, the farther along I'll be in writing the novel. Or we could have something like tracking how much water I drank throughout the day, or how much sleep I'm getting. And yes, these absolutely look like the key results from OKRs. The difference being the intention of what you're doing. Even though both of them are trying to look at those leading measurements, the things that we do to create an outcome, KPIs are still a bit more lagging. They're focused on measuring what happened while OKRs are a bit more about what we're going to do. This doesn't mean that OKRs are necessarily better for goal setting than KPIs, and they can both have their place in our own personal goal setting. With KPIs, we better identify the areas that we want to improve while we solve and improve the process with OKRs. In my original vision of this episode, I had this idea that I'd go through five or six different frameworks. But one of the keys for this podcast is I just don't want to waste your time. So I'm going to skip a lot of these frameworks that I just don't think are that useful for personal use. One of the frameworks I was on the fence about are the big hairy audacious goals. It's a term coined by Jim Collins and Jerry Porras of in their book Built to Last. The idea behind the BHAG, which yeah, is a terrible acronym, is that it's a goal that is a focal point and guides everything else you do. This is something that big companies use to plan their thinking 10 to 25 years into the future. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 10 to 25 years into the future? That might be a bit of a stretch on the planning front. Yes, I know. In 25 years, I'm going to be 61. My kids are going to be adults. I do not have a good picture of what my life is going to be like at that point. However... I might be able to picture some of the things I might want to have in my life. Maybe there's a place I want to live, or there's a kind of job I want to get. Maybe there are some financial goals I want to hit for retirement. I joke, retirement is not in the cards for me. I can't imagine not doing something. Anyway, the point of a big, hairy, audacious goal is that it's long-term. There are some things in life that take a long time to reach. If I decide I want to go back to school and get a PhD, that would be a huge undertaking. I mean, it probably wouldn't take me 25 years, but hey, who knows with ADHD, right? And it doesn't actually have to be that big of a time frame. The idea here is that we're looking at those more long-term goals that aren't going to be completed in a single year, or even a couple of years. Do you need to set a goal like this in your life? No, but it's also a way to create vision of where you want to go with your life. It's a way to aim at what you want. Of course, sometimes we don't have that vision of what we want our life to look like. With ADHD, we have a fairly short time horizon. That is, at a certain point when we're looking towards the future, time no longer has any real meaning to us. There is a certain period where we can look forward into time and go, yep, I could visualize that. I can totally conceive of what next week's going to look like. Typically, an adult has a time horizon around 8 to 12 weeks. With ADHD, our time horizon can be as short as just a couple of weeks, meaning that it can be really difficult for us to plan out farther than that because it just doesn't seem real to us. So I understand that setting goals that we realistically wouldn't be able to complete for at least five years could be a hard pill to swallow. But one thing that ADHD folks are good at is using their imagination, and that's exactly what we can do here. I'd also like to add in another concept to think about here, and that's the Japanese ideology of ikigai, which is about finding the joy of life through purpose. Ikigai is what gets you out of bed and keeps you going throughout the day. The best way to understand Ikigai is through a Venn diagram, which I understand is not the best method of communication through a podcast. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, you can pop over to the show notes at hackingyouradhd.com slash frameworks to see that visual. The Ikigai Venn diagram consists of four overlapping circles. What you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and what you can be paid for. And where all four circles overlap, you get Ikigai. And here's where I think we can really combine this idea with that of a big, hairy, audacious goal. If we can find that combination of what we love, what the world needs, what we're good at, and then what we can realistically be paid for, we can create that goal to help us build our life towards Ikigai. If we can create this goal, then the rest of our goal setting can fall into place because we know what we're trying to build our life towards. It's easier to say no to things that aren't moving us in the right direction because now we actually know which direction we want to go in. I understand if this feels like a bit too much of a commitment, but these goals are also not set in stone. As we get older, our tastes are going to change, and that's okay. We're just trying to give ourselves a little direction and figure out the next thing we really want to do, and then give ourselves the tools so that we can pursue it. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. Smart goals are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. You can make them smarter by adding steps to evaluate your goals and then to readjust them. 2. Using the Objectives and Key Results Framework, or OKRs, we're looking for the specific things that we can do every day that will naturally lead us to reaching our goals. 3. A big, hairy, audacious goal is something that exists on a large time frame, think 5-10 to years, and will push us out of our comfort zone. We can use big goals like this to help guide our thinking behind the other goals that we're setting. 4. Ikigai is the Japanese ideology of finding the joy of life through purpose. We can use this idea to help create the kinds of big goals that are going to have real meaning behind them. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hacking Your ADHD, or you can connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com slash contact and leave me a question. For this episode's show notes, just go to HackingYourADHD.com slash frameworks. I'd also like to encourage you to go check out the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, go check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. If you're interested in exploring issues of diversity in ADHD, then be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. For those late-diagnosed women, moms, and professionals, there's also the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Mapin. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to adhdrewired.com/events. And now for your moment of dad. SpongeBob may be the main character of the show, but Patrick's the star.